Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We are starting this uh, present series and, you know, one of the things that um, has really been driving my heart is that we would know and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that the presence of God would carry us and walk with us in our journey of knowing and understanding God. You know, there are some really important aspects of our life and our faith, and one of those aspects are that we, we tend to look or experience our life through the benefits of what God can do for us. Um, and as Pentecostals, as we can focus on the power of God and the, the gifts of the Spirit and the, the presence of God in a manner that can make you focus on power, supernatural wonders, signs and wonders. As a, But those are the benefits of the things of God. They're also actually, in reality, fairly unusual. Are you with me here? Miracles are amazing. They happen all the time, but they don't happen all the time in your life. You with me here? I mean, I've got, I've had many, many people come to me. I've, I've prayed for literally thousands of people um, over the years, and for most of those parts, I've seen, God has healed many people, and I don't really know about it, right? But on a day-to-day basis, even healing when you're praying, when I'm praying for people, is still unusual. On the most part. So our focus shouldn't be about the benefits, but should be on the person. Because God is more than miracles. God is, is, is more than truth. He is the person of truth. We want to know the one who speaks truth. We want to know the one who gives his his promises unto our lives who in Psalms um, the Bible says um, that he brings us great benefits of the benefits of salvation um, the psalmist David writes and so what happens is I want us to know that you know there are many benefits but I want to know the benefit giver I want us to know and walk in relationship with Him because when you're in relationship with Him, the benefits flow automatically. But if you're just focusing on benefits but not the person, there comes a hindrance to the relationship and generally a frustration in when you're not getting prayers answered. Here's the thing. When you're in a relationship with someone, whether they bring you a gift or do something good for you, is kind of not really the point. It's that you're in relationship with them. That's important. That's the important thing. You may ask them to do something. Cheryl might ask me to do something, and I might not do it, but she doesn't divorce me for that. (laughs) It's great. Could you tidy the kitchen? I forgot. (laughs) Now, the other day, um, I saw, we had a really busy day, we had a lot of people coming over, and uh, I saw Cheryl come through, and she was, um, she was uh, definitely, it was, it was a cleaning house mum day. 
So it was like, it was getting, the dinner was on, she come in, she got big rubber gloves, a big basket full of all these cleaning things. Um, I'd never seen them before. And, uh, and, uh, and, she got, and she had that look in her eye. Like, like don't get in my way. And uh, so she's walking through, and I could tell that she had, we've got three, three bathrooms, and bathrooms are the nastiest places to clean, aren't they? They're just... just slightly unpleasant and and uh, so you're getting on your knees and you're cleaning stuff so I walked in and on that occasion I decided to be the man and go I'll do the bathroom yes yeah you can say ah but there are benefits right so (laughs) so and it's about the relationship so sometimes we do things for each other and sometimes we don't but it doesn't make any difference because we have a relationship but if it was purely based on what we did or didn't do, how long would your friendship last? Right up until the point when they stopped doing things for you. We've got to stop creating a faith that is built around what God does for us rather than what He has done for us, knowing that He has established for us a relationship in which we can walk with Him because He has promised many great things, but it's not about the doing, it's about what's done, it's about the fact that He is a friend for us. And the most important thing you will ever have in your life is your friendships. It's your relationships. It is your family. It is is the ability to spend time together. That after everything, you can lose all of your life. You can lose all of your wealth. You can lose your health. You can lose many of your faculties. But none of those will grieve you anywhere near the same as losing friends and family. Our relationship with God, understanding His presence is the key most aspect of our lives, that we would desire Him, that we would desire to walk with Him and know the nature of who He is. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the earth, was poured out first and foremost that we would have a relationship with God. His presence, His purpose is to reveal the nature of Jesus Christ. It's to reveal the love and the ministry of Christ. It is to reveal the very heart and nature of the Father. It is to reveal the destiny and the purpose of whom we are called to be. It is to reveal our identity and know that we are in a relationship that is is manifold. It's many aspects to that relationship. We are we are sometimes children and sometimes we're conquerors. Sometimes we, we are, are broken and being healed and sometimes we are healing others. And in that relationship, we're all doing those things in the presence of the Holy Spirit, walking with Him. And you know, so the first thing, I really want to focus on, on hungering for the presence of God. And, and I found that hunger is one of those things that, well, it works on several levels, right? Um, the first level is is hunger when when you're hungry because you haven't eaten. That's the first type of hunger. It's a terrible thing going shopping when you're hungry. <laughs> terrible. If you've been fasting and then you go, you buy everything. <laughs> it's a terrible thing walking through uh, walking through um, Tesco's uh, and you're really hungry and they and they have offers on things like Pringles, salt and vinegar crisps. <laughs> And it's like, was two pounds, now only 99p. And you're like, I'll buy two then. 
I mean, you wasn't ever going to buy it in the first place, but, but now they've got an offer, you're going to buy two of them, and, and you'll probably eat them before you get home. <laughs> the problem with driving and eating Pringles is there comes a point when your fist gets stuck in the tube. <laughs> and you're, you have to use the indicator because you can't, you can't get it. Don't get it. And the thing about that kind of hunger is it drives you to eat anything. Do you know, people in the world, because they haven't known Christ, they are still hungry for the truth of Christ. But what happens is they grow, because of their hunger, they'll eat anything. They'll look anywhere and they'll search for anything. Their hunger drives them to just eat. The second type of hunger is a hunger created out of eating the wrong things. It's eating food that doesn't really satisfy. We will often have people come to church who found themselves eating of the things of this world that they thought was satisfied, but ultimately did not. And they've come looking for a food that will satisfy. I remember being, with, uh, one of the first times Sharon and I went to uh, America on holiday, um, I think it was 1997, um, and uh, we had um, taken a, a holiday um, just for a few days in, in, uh, in Florida, and we were over there, I went to Pensacola, we got friends in Pensacola, and went and stayed with them, and, and um, we were there, and of course when you're in America, it's just so easy to eat out, you eat out all the time, in fact a lot of Americans just don't use their kitchens, why would you use a cooker, you can, it's cheaper to eat out, and so, you, so we're eating out all the time, and, and there came a point, that got to our, I'm just eating another meal in another restaurant, and there's just this feeling I just want something that's going to be good for me. <laughs> you just get this feeling that the food, it's, it's got something in it. <laughs> that chicken, it's got like, I don't know, it, it, it feels like it's been pumped with something. It, it, it's like, and they have it, and the, the grease and, the, and the, even the vegetables didn't kind of feel right. And there was just this desire to get home and, and eat greens and salad and, and all the things I would normally avoid I, and just eat good food. You know, hunger, eating the wrong thing does, will often drive you to want to eat the, the right thing. You know, the third and the one that we really want to focus on is a hunger that comes from eating the right thing. When you taste of something or taste and see that the Lord is good, when, when you've eaten something good, you know you've got to eat it again. I, I have, a, I have a, 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 a desire to eat anything with lemons in it. <laughs> I, love, I love the slightly sour. Um, I love, like, you know, tangy sweets. I love that. Salt vinegar, anything that makes the tongue go like that. And, but lemon is one of my favorite flavors of all. And anything with lemon, whether it be uh, a savory meal or a sweet lemon meringue pie. Oh. Oh. With some walnuts. Oh. Lemon. I just got to eat. It's good. And lemon is really good for you, right? So, yeah, I just want you to know. And when you've finished with the lemon, you can wash your hands with it. It... Uh, it is a really good... Now, the Bible says... You're wondering when the Bible's coming. 
the, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, and, and at this point I'm going to go slightly a squiff, and you won't see why I started the intro until the very end, all right? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says this, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and being able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, this scripture is just the most extraordinary declaration of, of wonderful truth that reveals a set of actions that are taking place in our life. That as we hunger for God, as we desire for Him, Paul's prayer is, I bow my knees to the Father of Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He will grant you. And so here is this prayer. And Paul uses the word that. Now you know that I am... You know, I don't focus on English grammar or those kind of things. I'm not really bothered over what's a noun, a verb, an adjective, <laughs> or, or a pronoun. Right? I'm not really bothered by those things. But sometimes it comes up that it's important to know them. And Paul uses the word that. And the word that is normally a, a pronoun. A pronoun is a, is a word that kind of makes a sentence flow together. It gives it a little bit of life and versatility. And so a pronoun replaces a noun and it enables it to kind of bring in more description. But the word, this word, Paul uses the word that four times. And it starts in verse 16 and finishes in verse 19. And four times he says that. And this word that is not a, it's not a pronoun. It's not there to, to enable more description. But it is there as a conjunction, alright? Now, a conjunction is a word that joins ideas and sentences together and it describes an action that is happening, one or, or two or more actions that are happening simultaneously at the same time. Alright? So Paul is describing in this prayer that you may know the Holy Spirit working in your inner man... He needs you to know that while His Spirit is moving in you, there are four different actions that are taking place all at the same time. And so the first that, that we see, let me read you verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. One of the things that that Paul often does, and often happens in the Bible, he'll say, according to the riches of the glory of Christ, or according to the abundance of of who the Father is. He he often refers back to the extent of wealth that extends in God. We've got to know that we have a Father who is limitless. There is no limit to the life of the Holy Spirit poured out to us. There is no restraint 
held against you. There is no restraint of grace or mercy for your life. And that's important because we live in a limited resourced world. And we have limited resource of our own emotion. Grace, forgiveness, life, patience. Patience is something the Bible encourages to have a lot of, but we all know it has a limit. (laughs) And then we pop, we snap, we get irritable when our patience is gone. But Paul says that the Holy Spirit is without limit. And we've got to understand, so he's talking about an unlimited resource. And then he says, strengthen with might by his Spirit. I need you to understand that The Holy Spirit, in having a relationship with you and walking in His presence, the most important thing, the first thing we understand is that as we have a relationship with God, strength comes into our inner man. And strength is a really important aspect of life. When you're strong, you're effective. When you're weak, you are ineffective. There are times of weakness in our life When we're feeling weak, what do we do? We go home. Are you with me here? Now, the Bible says, I'm blessed going out and I'm blessed coming in. There are always times we need to come home. Rest in the presence of God. But we have to understand that Christ has made us strong. And strong is critical to knowing what your purpose in life is for. The Bible says in Luke Luke 11 that when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace... His goods are in peace, but when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armour in which he trusted and divides his spoils. You have to understand the Holy Spirit has made you stronger. It's the most important thing. First off, we need to know there are many things we feel, see, experience in life which are not right, but we have a stronger man than the strong man. We must know that there is a stronger man on the inside. See, love is stronger than hatred. Faith is stronger than fear. And so we've got to know that there is a strength that is greater on the inside. Hope is stronger than depression. It's stronger. And so we have a stronger spirit. And you've got to understand that when you feel weak, then you've got to come back to, but the Holy Spirit is stronger in me. Greater is He who is in me than he that is in the world. I'm walking in the presence and the relationship with God. I need to know my identity first. I need to know the value of that relationship. Ever walked with a friend, with someone who has great strength, and while you're walking with them, even though you physically are not strong, you feel strong just because you're walking with a strong person. You're talking to a person who's got great, and and life just flows out of them. I spoke uh, about the flow of the Holy Spirit. Was that here on Sunday? Did the flow? Was that here, or was that at men's? The flow of the Holy Spirit was that last week. And uh, so that the flow of the Holy Spirit, there is a life that flows out of us, and and I need you. You understand that, that, see, when when someone flows with the Holy Spirit, the strength that is in them, it touches you. We've got to understand that even when you're weak, walking with the Holy Spirit, He's touching your inner man. Amen? Amen. 
And there is a second that. And Paul then goes on to verse 17. He says this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, the reality is whatever lies in your heart rules in your heart. Whatever lies in your heart rules in your heart. Whatever possesses your heart possesses your life. Whatever possesses your heart possesses your life. One of the things we found when we had our rehab was people who had been gripped by uh, addiction, they couldn't talk about anything else. It was, they were always one sentence away from talking about the drugs they were addicted to. How to get the drugs, what they're like, the people that deal the drugs... The circle of life, why? Because what possesses you changes you. But we're here to be possessed by a Holy Spirit. (laughs) We're here to be filled with the life of Christ. Because that Christ may dwell in your hearts. He may reside. That is a, and and forgive me for using using the word possession, if you may see that as as a negative. I'm just using it deliberately to to stir up the idea of the fullness of the nature of Christ. But, you see, we've got to understand what the nature of the heart is. Now, Jesus, in the uh, New Testament, has various conversations with different people. You, You remember that Jesus had a conversation with the rich young ruler. And he says to the rich young ruler, who had asked how to be saved and how to walk with God, and he gave him, Jesus gave him the list of the things of the law which he should do, and the, the rich young ruler said, I have done all of these things from my youth. And then Jesus says to him, gives him the killer punch. He says, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, then come follow me. And of course that verse has been taken as a, well, Christians should, shouldn't have wealth, they should sell it all. But, but Jesus communicated with a lot of rich people, and he only said it to them once, said it to one man. He never told any other rich people to do that, just this rich man. He then meets up with um, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a possibly even richer man. But Jesus never asked him to give him his wealth. But Zacchaeus promised his wealth. He didn't promise all of it though. He just says to Jesus, I'm going to give half it away for a start. And then with the other half, I'm going to give back to those people I wronged four times as much. What does that tell us about Zacchaeus? It tells us, number one, he had an extraordinarily large amount of wealth. (laughs) Number two, he did a lot more with the wealth that he had stolen than the people who he'd stolen it from could have done. (laughs) What a great savings program. (laughs) He was able to steal, and then with half his wealth, half, he's able to give back four times as much. He's a clever man with money. Right? But that's a response that he gives. What is Jesus looking for? He's looking for lordship of the heart. With the rich young ruler, money to him was everything. 
And he was, said, you're going to have to get rid of all of it because unless you do, I will never be Lord. But with Zacchaeus, he doesn't even have to make that request. We know that Lazarus um, and um, his sisters, Mary and Martha, they were, um, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they were a rich family. Jesus doesn't ask anything of them. But he just comes to their house and they feed him. What is he looking for? He's looking for lordship of the heart. That Christ may dwell in your heart. What does that mean? It means that Christ is Lord of your heart. And that is a bit of a slap around the face for when we question, well, is he really? We talk about our tithes and offerings. Is he Lord of my heart? We talk about praying for getting up early and, and praying. Is he... Is he really Lord? Actually, James and I were talking this morning. Um, we, I was talking also with uh, Owen in Inverness, Pastor Owen. Um, and uh, it'd be great to get the uh, Overwatch men going again. And I had been meaning to announce it, but keep, kept forgetting. So we're going to get the Overwatch men praying on a Friday morning in the house. So if you're a guy and you've got access to get in here uh, between um, 7 and 8, or is it 6 and 7? Half six. Was it half six? Are you sure? You're not lying, right? Are you? And you say you only live over the road. Half six for you. I'm like 40 minutes away. There's a different commitment. Eh? I think it was seven. I think the Lord says 10 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> so we'll do 10 o'clock. We'll do. <laughs> so we'll do. Uh, we'll do seven uh, till seven till eight. Um, and uh, if if you've got access on the way to work, you can come in between those times. We'll have the coffee on, and uh, not the big machine. It's just the Nespresso pods. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, we'll 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 have coffee and we'll pray for a little bit more than four minutes. And uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But, but here's the thing, right? It's all about lordship. Yeah. It's about lordship. Is he lord of your heart? Is he lord? All right? What point was that? Number two, wasn't it? Number three. Going quickly. That you, this is a big one. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now, the love of Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says here that, that you, the most important thing about knowing the love of Christ is being rooted and grounded. Yeah. Not, you see, what happens is that we can very easily wander and when we wander, we become like vagrants, like vagabonds. We, we, we don't really know the value of who we are in Christ. A person who is homeless on the streets, we know the value of them in terms of their humanity. But in terms of their life and the value of their life, of what they can do and achieve can't do anything because all they can do is wander so they we are no greater than a man who's on the street we have no greater 
position between, in the eyes of God, than a man who is homeless. But if you're homeless, you can't do anything. So the most important thing for your life is that you're rooted. That you're, and Paul says grounded and rooted. That's like taking a tree, rooting it, and then digging around it and cementing it in. <laughs> That's like having, being a tree and also having foundations of a building at the same time. He's trying to emphasize that the body of Jesus Christ, the church, is the place. Paul, Paul later says, he says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Know that the root of being, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. So in other words, there is a, the only way that you will know the true love of God, the nature of God, is being grounded and rooted in a place where the other saints can work with you in knowing it. That on your own, you become a little bit vagrant, a little bit blown by the wind, isolated. One of the most important things you have to double-check in your heart is that you don't grow isolated. Some of us, by nature, are people that are more comfortable in their own, on their own, in their own skin without other people around them. How many of you know what, that's, what I'm talking about? Some of you be looking like, well, I don't know, I just like being with people. I'm one of the people that I like being with people for a short period of time and then I need to be on my own. It's just my personality. It's like I, I love being in, in a crowd, I love being with the church and then I need to be on my own. But I've noticed this, if I'm on my own for a long time, I start disappearing down a, a rabbit warren of just not the kind of, it's not like it dark, but it's just like it isn't, I need fellowship. Pull me back <laughs> when I'm on my own. I really, I can. I, I need my own space for a time to just recenter my heart, but just focus. But if I'm on my own a long time, I, I if I'm travelling on my own without Cheryl, I, I start getting a bit. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not comfortable. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The church is the place, the body of Jesus Christ, the believers gathering together, the encouragement and the revelation that each other have to lift you. Alright? And this is the fourth that. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, forgive me, but I I've have often... I struggled with this verse, just kind of struggled with how that works, right? Because in the Old Testament, just being near the presence of God was enough to kill you. <laughs> sort of burn you up. Now we're going to have the fullness of God in us. Be filled with the fullness of God. That's like taking your six-year-old laptop and trying to download the internet. <laughs> it's going to crash really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be filled with the fullness of God? How does, that, how does that even work? How does that work through your life? But you know, in um, Matthew's Gospel, we have the, this amazing 
the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 6, Matthew 5, verse 6. Look at this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, this is what I, I want to come back to. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And again, I have to throw in another difficult question. What's righteousness? Just rightness with God, but what's that? Other than everything being right? Is, is, is that it? Righteousness is the relationship we have with walking with Him. Righteous that we have those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We hunger and thirst for the very presence and the nature of God. If I am walking in the presence of God, in relationship with Him, then I'm hungering and thirst for His righteousness. Because His life becomes the predominant life of me. And so, when I am hungering and thirsting after Him, I am filled to overflowing. But here's the question, what am I filled with? Because I'm filled with the fullness of God. But what am I filled with? What is it? What is the fullness of God? I believe it's the full life of the Holy Spirit. It's the full life of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ being Lord. It's a life devoted, committed, praying, hungry, tasted a great lemon meringue pie, need some more. Getting up and reading the Word. Enjoying it so much, you've got to read some more. Sometimes we grow tired of reading the Bible because we've stopped hungering the presence. Reading the Bible and praying as a form will not develop a relationship with God. Developing a relationship with God would would desire you to pray and read. God said that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the deal. What happens is this, and let me finish with this, is that, see, love, if we love God with all our heart, hunger after Him first, then everything else we need, pray, desire, comes automatically. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. But if we seek the other things first, then we start seeking the gifts and not the giver. And we lose the relationship. We lose the point. We become like that brat of a child at Christmas that's only interested in the other gift and not interested in the person who's giving it to them. When we hunger after God, every good thing 
every beautiful thing flows out after that. Your desire is to be successful in business, to be wealthy. It's a really good thing to be desire. It's really good. But I suggest you desire things of God first. And let God build that capacity within your heart. Then you know that he's Lord and the money is servant. You desire ministry, do the things of God. Desire God and let him create the ministry. Then you know that you're doing it for the kingdom and not for your own applause. See, God, he wants us to walk in his presence. We've got to hunger after him. Amen. Let's stand. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.